hello and welcome to episode 145 of the 1099 for the week of April 23rd, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renaughton, and with me today is an associate editor and former intern at Giant Bomb, co-host on the Giant Bombcast, and noted millennial, Ben Pack. Ben, how you doing today? I'm doing swell. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Xbox. This is, it's funny because I'm like pre-recording this way in advance. So it's like the fact that like we're recording this on Easter, but it's not coming out until like Oh, sorry. No, yeah. Here, no, it's perfect. Do something. I kinda... No, uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. When I tweeted about this podcast, I included some ridiculous, let's say, fan art into the tweet of <laughs> someone just putting your face in all kinds of things. And yeah, it, it's, you know, you've, I mentioned before, and everyone knows who is listening to this, that you interned at Giant Bomb for a while and have been a part of this community for a long time. But were you even prepared for how passionate and creative, and I mean, it's in a positive way, crazy the community is where you can do like one thing on a video or say one thing on a podcast <laughs> and suddenly there's art or there's a compilation of what you did? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was not prepared at all. It was, it was a pleasant Surprise. Um, I was ready for my life to get a lot weirder. Um, I kind of knew, you know, so basically I, I knew I had the job for a couple weeks before I had started and before the news was out there. So I was, you know, talking to just friends and I was like, I think like at some point there's a very small possibility that like you'll see my face on a shirt somewhere because we were talking about the like I, I told them about the job and they kind of knew what Giant Bomb was. They're not in the gaming scene at all, but they knew there was a very passionate uh, group of people. And sure enough, I had a friend text me a photo of the my first E3 shirt that he saw in the wild. It's a really good me. shirt. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm super happy with that one. And then sure enough, like I think it was a matter of just like two weeks before. People were tweeting me fan art. There was a lot of stuff at E3 going on. Um, it, w- it was awesome. Like I, I knew, I knew how passionate this community was. Like you said, because I've 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 been a fan of the site since back in the Persona Four Endurance Run days. So having seen firsthand how, like, and and the cool thing is this this community has such a huge artistic audience. Oh yeah. Um, you know, people who have even worked with the site, like AuraHack and, and TurboTurster and, and some people out there who are just like, happen to be amazing at art and also love Giant Bomb. So they, they sometimes whip out some really cool stuff. The future is weird. Like I, if you watch any Game Grumps and you'll see videos of oh, yeah. just certain segments that are just, there's one that was like 10 minutes long of all animated all by these different artists. And the fact that there are people out there who do that is crazy. And again, I mean that in a positive way. It's super cool to see. And now we are... We're in this weird era where I've had like Jeff on this podcast, I've had like Greg Miller, where you have to almost explain to your friends like, hey, what I do is weird because you're going to see like we might find someone on the street who is a fan of me and, you know, to their friends like, no, you're just Greg Miller or you're just Jeff Gersman. But it's like, yeah, but on the Internet. It's a little, it's a little different. I, I do remember it was like 2013, 2012 packs when I went to a, a giant bomb panel and the line, I, we got there two hours early and it just stretched out. And I was joking with Vinny and Jeff about this. When they walked over into the door, it was like the Beatles. Like people were freaking out <laughs> over these people who make videos about video games on the internet. So I think explaining that to people, like, do does your family get weirded out by it? Like, do you even attempt to explain it or do you just leave uh, it? It hasn't really been long enough. Like, I haven't had a family dinner, like a big Christmas dinner with a bunch of relatives and tried <laughs> to explain it yet. Um, my mom kind of has a loose understanding. She knows what Giant Bomb is. She is a premium member. So oh my God, to that's her. awesome. Uh, I didn't even, like, get her a code or anything. She was just like, I want to support you, which was really nice. Yeah. Um but like she, she kind of loosely understands what it is. I, I still don't know how I'm going to explain it to family. Um, <laughs> I've I've been kind of testing out a lot of different explanations for like you know if if somebody like let's say a Lyft driver asks what I do, I'll kind of be like oh I work with video. I do videos. On videos the at CBS. Like that, that, that's <laughs> yeah, what I, I did when I wrote CBS a GameSpot. I would always videos. say, I'm a writer for CBS. And every time they had to dig a little bit deeper, I'm like, shit, I don't want to explain this anymore. I probably, it's actually, the weird thing is, and I don't know, the weird thing is, I could probably just say to somebody, I'm like a YouTuber. 
And they'll probably kind of understand what that means. It's just, I don't know if I'm comfortable enough saying yeah. that. Yeah. Like, oh, like Drake? <laughs> like you play video games online like Drake? Maybe Drake made it okay for people like us now to talk That's about That's the thing, publicly. though. Like, kind of. And and I, I as kids age up and, and people who grew up, like, there's going to be a whole generation of children soon hitting that, like, you know, teen to young adult market that grew up with Twitch. Yeah. That grew up with with a serve like grew up with the ability to just watch people play their favorite games and develop, you know, a, the first word that came to my mind is crushes, but I don't, I don't really know the word for <laughs> like growing really attached to a personality. And it's not like a celebrity, right? Cause with a celebrity, you, you're like, Oh, I really like this actor and they're in one movie a year. Maybe um, this is like, I'm watching this person, play this video game for multiple hours a day, multiple times a week. You know, it's like it's like how people got with Giant Bomb back yeah. when when that was a new and exciting thing. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I think that time you're talking about is super close because I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast pretty regularly and he talks about how his son who's ten or eleven was like devastated by what was it, the Jake Paul, one of the Paul one of the Paul brothers yeah. who's an awful person, which actually might be both of them. <laughs> uh, when like they were taking a break and like defending him and how they don't watch TV, they're just on their iPads or on their phones watching YouTube, watching yeah. these quote creators, I guess is what it's called. I hate that term. Um, and like, that's kind of where we're at. And like you said, it's, it's not this actors in one movie a year, it's daily blogs that you're seeing all the time and they are super accessible. So maybe there's another layer of attachment you have with them because they're on Twitter, because they're responding to comments. Sometimes you feel like yeah. you're participating in it and it's, it, it's all of this stuff. Like I have no idea if it's good or bad yet, because I don't think anyone really does because we're not far enough into it. But it is weird how now, like you said, Giant Bomb was that for me when it started. Maybe not to the degree of an 11-year-old into Jake Paul <laughs> was I into Jeff Gertzman. But like that was kind of how that is. And we mentioned before, one of the biggest differences from you going to an intern to full-time is, of course, the attention that goes with it and the, the awesome fan art and everything like that. But beyond that, what have you seen to be the biggest differences from interning at Giant Bomb to actually being full-time staff? Was it at all harder than you thought it would be to slide into quick looks, contribute in a major way with content. Since you didn't have that intern tag on you, you had these different expectations as a full-time staff member. When I was an intern, I was an intern for Whiskey Media, which meant my time was divided between Comic Vine, Anime Vice, Screened, Tested, and Giant Bomb. Um, and I really only worked with Giant Bomb on like the occasional uh, Whiskey Media happy hour or a live stream answering or asking questions from the chat. So it was a huge difference. It was also a um, six, no, yeah, six year gap, almost seven years between the internship and the, uh, oh my God. the, the full-time job. Yeah, so the, the site itself had changed. <laughs> yeah. So we were in a whole new office Um Effectively, the team I was working with was much smaller because now I'm just working with Giant Bomb. Um, and even uh, Giant Bomb West is just smaller than what Giant Bomb uh, was at the time. Because um, back, well, now now it's about the same. Now we yeah. have two producers. But back then, uh, in the whiskey days, you know, we had Vinny and Drew. Um, and like Joey would help out with, with some stuff. So now the, it's, it's a smaller team. So that's a more interesting shift. Um, all of my gaming work outside of that internship has been very bootstrap, very much just like, okay. Uh, so like I worked for Destructoid for a little while and that was whenever we wanted to shoot something, we would go and shoot it. So it was very much just like come up with an idea and execute on it. And so I feel like that kind of helped me get ready for Giant Bomb because part of the job going in was going to be adjusting to quick looks, adjusting to the bomb cast, you know, dropping in on these features that people have been watching and listening to for years and years and trying not to be too, you know, disruptive there. But also, um, you know, pitching, pushing new content, working on what I would like to see because... I got the impression when they were interviewing me that they really wanted somebody to come in with the ability to bring something new to the table. So I, I'm not going to lie. I was super nervous for my first bomb cast, for my first quick look. My first quick look was for Nog, that uh, 
Tim, uh, Double Fine interactive toy game. Oh, yeah. And that was actually a great one because it was so weird. <laughs> and, like, it was hard to talk about because there wasn't really a lot going on that it gave me room to kind of, like, let Jeff take the lead, right? And kind of uh, show me what a quick look is. Because there's a difference between watching a quick look and kind of absorbing it and having to carry a conversation. Sometimes yeah. it's a lot harder than other times. Like if the ga- if you're into the game or if you're really not into the game, <laughs> it's a lot easier. But um, sometimes it can be like, I, I, my, I'll be like, oh, th- we're not saying anything. Uh, I need to, you know, I need to jump in here and... and Kind of my, my I feel like my go to thing is asking a question like a, like you know uh, if you had to like we were doing the Far Cry Five quick look and it was an especially tedious part where I think like Jeff was chasing a boat or something and I I started asking him about his dream team of mercenaries or something I, I can't remember the exact context but I'm feeling more comfortable now um, just overall with the job than I did when I first started. Now that it's been almost a year, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I was going to say, that is insane to think it's already been a year. And you mentioned not being too disruptive, but I bet it's a weird balance in your head while at the start and even just as much now where how much do I let this other person lead versus really inserting, like you mentioned, questions and part of your personality? Because it might be even worse if you are taking like if, you, if you're in your head being like i don't want to be too disruptive then suddenly you're too quiet and then it's hard mm. to have any sort of conversation like did it did it take you a while and it's still a daily struggle every time you're doing this stuff am i talking too much am i talking too little should i try to take the lead more should i let this other person take the lead have you now grown comfortable enough that you're barely thinking about that or maybe at the start of every quick look you're still kind of running that through your head yeah man when i started out you know the the speculation around who the next giant bomb editor was going to be was insane like yeah. you know there's tons of people pulling these huge names like oh i would love to see griffin mcelroy come in <laughs> and just like it, it, as a fan totally like i get that i get wanting to like have these awesome talented people come into the site um and then you also had people on one end who were like we need somebody at giant bomb west who's like high energy and can like fill dan's role and kind of you know be out there be this like huge, like walk into a room and kind of lift everyone up. But then you also have people on the other end who, you know, are huge fans of Jeff and Brad and, and Jason and want, want them to be able to shine and want the person coming in be more of like a support and not overshadow, try, uh, keyword, try to overshadow them. Um, so I knew going in, I wasn't going to please everyone. Yeah. And I knew going in that I have a very distinct humor style that I know doesn't always gel well with people. And it was actually a really nice moment when I started to see people adjust to it and kind of get used to me. Like it, it, it was a slow burn for a fair amount of people. And I've actually been doing a lot to try and incorporate in not some of the feedback I've been seeing because I feel like as a creator, it's a fine line between uh, listening to your audience and taking their advice earnestly and losing your sight as a, as a creative person and kind of uh, losing, you know, the, the, the I, I, I'm here for a reason, right? I, yeah. I've landed this job for a reason that whether it's, you know, the people at the site see something in me, whether it's I am actually entertaining. I don't believe that one. Um, <laughs> it's 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 hard that because you want you want to you want to bring you want to make as many people happy as you can. And so I, I've been really focusing on, on trying to let my personality come through in a non-aggressive way. I, I feel like when I started out. I was like, I need to come in here and hit the ground running and really just like show people what I'm about. But I realized that could be a bit abrasive. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and play more of a support role. I'm going to, you know, 
I am a associate editor. I am not a senior editor. I I haven't been working, you know, um, people, some, some people will be like, oh, you know, when like Austin and Dan and them came in, they were just on fire. Yeah. And like they were looking for somebody else to come in with that same heat. And I was coming in from a much more junior position. I I had interned at Giant Bomb, but like I said, it was four months working for five different sites. So I had a little bit of practice there. And outside of that, I was working. I was, I'm just, like, if you t- look at it in a vacuum, I'm a guy who went from a job at an e-commerce company that focused on selling educational supplies to homeschoolers <laughs> to Giant Former Bomb. homeschooler here. So maybe I even know where you're How old is this company? What was the name of the company? Uh, EduSense? Nope, don't know what that is. Okay, that sounds right. fake. I think they're still around. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening from EduSense and you have my uh, tax forms, I'm trying to get a hold of those. So oh please uh, email you wanna, me. You have well, my information. Email me too if you want to support the podcast. If you want to be a sponsor. Like it really, a homeschooler who's no longer a homeschooler and made it, quote unquote, made it in life. I, I, you should support the podcast. I, what, hey, I mean, I was trying to get them to get on podcast advertising. I was like, look, guys, this is the next big thing. And they were just like, oh, no, we're going to stuff. No, it's fine. It's fine. It was, a, it was actually a really fun company. I, I enjoyed it there. But it was completely the opposite. Yeah, of it is what so I'm the opposite, now. I would assume. You mentioned before the like the idea of looking at feedback and kind of that balance between how much do I read and how much do I just trust who I am. Can you kind of get lost in that feedback sometimes? Because... As someone who wrote for GameSpot and IGN, as you'd assume, I got a lot of comments and reviews. And there were definitely yep. days where I'm like, let's just dive in. Let's just see what they say about this review. And boy, by the end of that, you are in a certain headspace. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. think I should have done that. And totally. in that it case, can ruin your day before it even starts sometimes. Like if you wake up and totally. you had a review go up yesterday and you're like, oh, I want to see what the reception was. You can like literally ruin your day before you get out of bed. But here's the difference between that and your situation where they're like judging me on my opinions or rarely my writing. It's just they hate the score. When you're looking at your feedback, they're talking about your personality or the way you handle things. Like they're, it's usually, I would assume if you see negative comments or whatever, it's about not your review it's usually about ben pack which is a weird thing to do like right. it's just how this works in a personality driven business Did, does that has that did that get to you early on like just not being used to that were you reading some of that stuff and being like man and starting to question things or did, were you mentally prepared for that i was very much so not prepared <laughs> um i was going in whole hog i was like Searching out, you know, giant bomb threads on NeoGAF. I was oh, God. reading all the comments on like Reddit. Oh, no. And, and while I will say that now the stuff I am seeing is positive and I like that. Um, actually, to back up even more, I was, I was it, going in, it was a lot easier for me to read negative comments than it was positive comments i was very bad at it it, it would just because the overwhelmingly the reactions were positive and they were negative it like kind of i would just like see another nice tweet yeah another nice dm sure another nice comment and then i would see one negative thing and it would just uh, i would just obsess over it i would just be like this person that i wouldn't get too mad but once in a while, there would be just one comment that really set me off. And so I was just, it, it took me a few months. And luckily, uh, I have the amazing benefit of working with people like Jeff and Brad who have been doing this for a long time and who have this experience and who have gone through these same things as me and were very able to help me kind of parse it and yeah. say, don't read this and like no never go on youtube and definitely not youtube i think that is the worst of all of those where like i think there's value to some reddit comments and some other ones like twitter but when you look at youtube no one's trying to give you constructive criticism it's just straight criticism yeah and and i'm and i've gotten i've gotten a lot better at it now and i think the more important thing is i've gotten a lot better at actually reading and processing positive feedback yeah um I am a very self-critical person, and I think that fed into that a lot. But this job is doing 
tremendous things for my self-confidence, actually. Like, while it also shits on me occasionally, it is really nice getting random DMs from people. I, I have open DMs because I want the weirdest shit that people are willing to say to me on their Twitter accounts sometimes. Um, I don't necessarily read and respond to everything, but I just, I like to get a lay of the land. And once in a while, somebody will send me a really heartfelt thing that I could have pictured myself writing to Jeff or Vinny back in the day. Like, Giant Bomb definitely helped me get through a lot of hardships in my life and amongst other things. Yeah. Um, and just seeing that kind of was sur- surreal uh, at the beginning, but now it's it's nice. It's it's reassuring, and I don't know. It, it's it's cool. It, so it, it was cool having like Jeff and and Brad and Vinny and people like that who have been doing this for a long time and get advice on stuff. But it was also really helpful having Abby um, and now Jan show up, kind of as you know the new class or whatever you want to call it, uh, who are going through this stuff for the first time with me. And, you know, Abby and I text a lot and just like talk about the weird shit that happens in and around our job. And it's, it's really nice. Like, um, you know, seeing her at E3 and kind of the, the, my first E3 thing was very much, uh, it, it spawned out of us not really knowing what to do, having the drive to want to do something, and being around these people who had so much experience, so we're like, okay, let's just do this and have fun with it. And it turned into something that I was really proud of. And and I wouldn't have, like, done that if I didn't have her. And now, like, I have Jan out west, and we, you know, would just sit there and pitch weird video stuff to each other. And <laughs> Jan will, like come up to me and say hey uh, I don't I don't know if you've seen the most recent unprofessional Fridays but he is now getting into the Adobe character animator yeah. stuff integrating with that with vmix and just like we would just sit there and talk about what we want to do with it and that's really cool too like ha- having and, and it's more interesting because he's in a producer role and I'm in an editor role so now we just like okay we have now the capability to make anything we want let's get to work on some stuff. Yeah, and I think the dynamic works really well because people think of Giant Bomb, when they think of Giant Bomb, they think of editors who have been in the industry for a long time and there's a certain cynicism to it, but again, I don't mean that in a negative way where Jeff has been there, done that. So the the I've been in this business for 20 years kind of opinion on games is super cool. I think it's super useful, but now having you and Abby and Jan and people who are maybe not brand new to this, but newer to this and have a different level of enthusiasm and a different perspective, it kind of blends really well. And when you did talk earlier about the the comments you see on Reddit and stuff, I think uh, the funny part about that, because I would obsess over some of those too. And like, I'm on a smaller platform and everything like that. But I remember even just getting Reddit comments where you get positive, 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 positive. And you'd see the one that there's the ones that get you angry because you super don't believe them. Like I've right. had certain things like, oh, he's, he's, he's so nervous on podcasts. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not. But then you get the ones that in the back of your head nag you because you think like, you know this about yourself and someone pinpoints it and you're like, God damn it. They found yeah, like but- they found me. <laughs> it's the worst. Those are the ones. Yeah. And like, I totally understand on the scale you have it. It has to be like not you particularly, but anyone on Giant Bomb has to be absolutely insane. Like I would assume just especially like Brad taking over hosting duties. Like I would never look at my DMs or never look at Twitter just because there's always <laughs> going to be that one thing that you hope that people don't notice about. And you're like, oh God, they found me out. They know exactly yeah. what that is. What's that? It's a, it's a, what is that called? Uh, confirmation bias? Exactly. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. it. And yeah, I've totally had that where someone like points, I don't even remember what it was now, thankfully, but they pointed it out and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> they now know. <laughs> uh, you did mention a lot of the other people that came before you with you know Dan moving to like East and then Austin doing Waypoint and everything like that. Did you feel pressure to fill shoes? You talk about hitting the ground running and reading the room a bit and saying like, all right, should I be full personality right away should i be support but you know the history of giant bomb just about better than anyone and you know just how much people both care about specific staff members and hate change so did you feel like you had to do your best to replace people like dan like drew like austin or after a while did you just realize i need to focus on 
creating a new thing, like you mentioned with Jan, with Abby, where it's okay if things change and eventually people will adjust. Yeah, totally. Uh, it, it, it was very much going in. I was like, you know, I, I know that I, I, I had a feeling, and it could be my self-doubt talking, it could be my overanalyzing brain talking, it could be a lot of different things, but going in, I was like, people are expecting me to fill shoes here, um, and I'm just not that kind of guy, I'm a lot more laid back, um, I, I like to rely more on kind of responding to things that's my style i'm kind of like i was talking to austin once and he called me a comedic foil um <laughs> which i kind of i, I like that idea yeah. i kind of latched onto it mentally for a little bit there um uh, i i'm very much the person who doesn't like in, in a social setting like at a, at a party let's say i am the kind of person who will sit and stand and kind of nod along and then pop in for an occasional like not one-liner, but I, I, I'm much more comfortable not leading the, the conversation. Yeah. And I knew people, like, Dan going out east, Dan is magnificent at at that sort of thing. And, you know, he ha- had some experience doing that at Game Informer for a while. Um, so I was like, okay, it's going to be, there's going to be an adjustment period where it's both me feeling out the crowd and the crowd feeling out me. And somewhere, some way down the line, we're going to hit that middle ground where I have either toned it up or down and they are coming to expect what I can offer. Um, and it's more of like at this point, it's more of I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still feeling it out. I'm still kind of getting used to. Even like being on the Bombcast, you know, yeah. it's been a year, but that's like 50 episodes, which isn't nothing as a three hour show. But, you know, Brad and Jeff have a chemistry that dates back for all, many, many years. And I am now suddenly dropped in the middle of this and expected to be as much of a part of it as them. You know, we're, I mean, like I, I see us and I've been told that they see me as equals on the Bombcast. It's very much not like, you know... Brad and Jeff are like first and second on the games and take the important <laughs> games. And then I come in with some indie bullshit game I've been playing. No, it's like, I am expected to be just as much of a part of it as them. Um, and I was, I was ready to come in and like almost say nothing on the bomb. Cause I was super nervous, but they kind of trial by fired me uh, and hopped me right in. So that was, that was interesting. Um, it was also a really weird period of my life when I started at Giant Bomb. Yeah. Since my house burned down and I moved, I, I moved into my new home the day before I started at Giant Bomb. Ugh. Um, which was a lot of change something. for once. Yeah. yeah, you don't have like the comfort of going back to your regular spot after a long day at work. I mean, did yeah. you even have all your furniture in this new place yet? We didn't have furniture. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> we uh, we would we spent the following weekend like you know getting some stuff in from like Craigslist and IKEA and what have you, but it was like okay, we're gonna sleep on this air mattress. I hate that's it. That. No yeah, TV. That's... I, like oh. I saved my PS4 from the fire and my laptop, so that was nice. And my Wii U. For some reason, <laughs> in my panic, shit. I grabbed my Wii U. I love this idea. It's like, you know, normal people, they'll grab, like, personal belongings, their Bible, and their Wii U when they're running out of their burning apartment. <laughs> I have one game. Oh, no, I have two games for my Wii U. Oh, my God. Thank God you got it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Have you played it since you saved it from the phone? Oh, no. No. <laughs> it's sitting there. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't even play it anymore because I, I, the only game I was actively playing on it was Breath of the Wild, and then I got the Switch version. Oh, see, then you fixed it. Like, and the, the only real reason to play a Wii U right now is Mario Maker. I would assume that's like the yeah. only actual thing that I don't like. I, I still want to play and can't play anywhere else. Uh, you, when you talk about the Bombcast, I think it's it's super fascinating because it's obvious that you and Jeff at this point in Quick Looks and the Bombcast have a strong chemistry. Like, it's it's definitely developed in the last year. But you do mention this idea of. Jeff has been doing this forever. Brad's been doing this forever. forever. They've been talking to each other for the longest time. You're still associate their senior. Uh, 
did it take a while to become casual and comfortable with, let's just say, Jeff, who one, is your boss, two, has been doing this longer than just about anyone, and three, is older than you? Like, it is an entirely different world for the two of you. So did you get to a point, like, are you now at a spot where you kind of feel like you can talk to this person? The idea of saying as an equal is weird, but in this case, it kind of works as an equal. Yeah. No, it was definitely strange for me. Um, I I think that I gel with Jeff um, because uh, we just have very similar senses of humor in a lot of yeah. regards, um, which would make sense because I guess if you think about it, he is one of the people that helped me influence my style of, of humor. You know, I, I was a giant bomb fan kind of at the end of high school, early college days, which I feel like is a very formative, you know, period yeah. in one's life. Um, but like, you know, he and Ryan would, would talk about comedy bang bang bits occasionally. And I was like, oh shit, I like this too. Like I'm, I'm totally get these guys humor, you know? And, and so coming in as as a fan was weird for me um just even sitting near them and hearing them have conversations about stuff at the beginning was was surreal in a, in a way but i was so determined to i, I love giant bomb yeah. i love giant bomb so much uh i i knew going in i was like this needs to be the hardest i've ever worked in my life this needs to be i want to make sure giant bomb is going on for a long time i want to make sure giant bomb grows i want to be here i want to pour everything into this job so i knew going in like i am going to have to be proactive in my approach to how i handle interactions i'm gonna have to you know be ready and willing to talk to them as equals um and like you know uh the, the first time I had to say, like, no to something, not, not like no, but like push back and say, like, oh, what if we actually did it like this was yeah. really tough for me because, you know, in my mind, these people were at one point like celebrities mm-hmm. and I was who was I. Right. But it helped that, uh, you know, I had, inter- I had been interacting with them on Twitter occasionally. Um, oddly enough, Brad and I used to work. Well, I mean, I guess Brad works at the same place he works now, but we would, we lived on the same bus line and I would occasionally see him on the bus and, and chat with him a little bit. Um, I, I had interviewed Jeff for like radio projects at my at college and stuff. So I still had a little bit, I knew they were still aware of me as a person, which helped me like, okay, they, they know a lot about me. Not a lot, but they know enough about me that I should feel comfortable getting to know them. Yeah. It is still weird, though. Like, even every time I've had any of them on this podcast, like, it takes me a minute to be like, okay, just keep your cool. Because uh, to, to these, to everyone else who doesn't know about Giant Bomb, these are not celebrities, but to you and I, before you, know, before you started working there, these people were. Like, that's what they were. They're people who you looked up to. They're people who you listened to every single Tuesday and you waited every day for the new quick look to come out. So it yep. is a strange transition. I would assume the I'm weirdest. Still scared to, I'm still scared to talk to Vinny. <laughs> Vinny's a, I would assume the weirdest of all of this was when you did the game of the year podcast, because you mentioned <laughs> the idea of anytime you're pushing back, you're a little nervous. Cause you're like, oh, am I at that point yet? And just, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I promise you were one of my game of the year podcast MVPs. It was like you and Alex that really stood out for me in terms of thank you. Well-researched smart arguments. But I would assume that was terrifying for you because this isn't just, just normal podcast conversation Vinny's gonna come at you with here's why this game is good and you're like first off I don't want to say anything bad to Vinny because Vinny's perfect but you have to like formulate this argument and in a way like shit on the games that these people who are like heroes and celebrities to you like so that your game can be on this list and you feel like it deserves getting there so was that one of the most difficult parts for you so far since joining Giant Bomb yeah I I would say so um it game of the year was was really interesting for me because um it was the most it, it was a different game of the year than any of the other game of the years just by the fact that we had more people than ever we had um Abby in there so it was more diverse than it had been like yeah. Abby Abby plays the big games too but then also ha- has an interesting like she'll she'll dive into some of the stuff that none of us are willing to really look at. And so I was excited for that going in. 
And it was just, as soon as we got in there, as soon as those doors shut, first of all, thank God I got hired (laughs) after or before E3 and not after E3 and before Game of the Year. Because if that was my first time interacting with like Alex and Dan and Vinny, that would have been Oh, that would have been really difficult to actually Um, try to make those points. Yeah, but luckily we had E3 and PAX. um, So I got to, to hang out with them like for the first and second time um, and then game of the year was the third time um, but it, it, the, the first day was like rough in that I wasn't ready for what it was going to be really like I wasn't ready for how draining it would be because yeah. I mean I, as a fan as somebody who's listened to it I've heard them talk about oh that room gets hot and like oh like that room is stuffy and bright and weird to be in for several hours of the day it, but it doesn't really hit you until you're actually there. Um, well, it's also way harder to actually defend intelligently why you like something beyond just saying I like it because it's good. Because like I yes. I do game of the year podcasts with usually ex game spotters on here like Kevin Van Orr, Tom McShay, Carolyn Pettit, and I the first time I did it, I remember like writing down all these points for why I like something. But when you're in that moment and someone pushes back on the point, you're like, shit, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think I can fight that. Do I actually like this? I you start questioning three everything. Three steps ahead. I need to be playing four D four dimensional. Yeah. It's chess. like four, it, 1000% is. And you can listen to those all the time. And then like in your car, yell like, Oh, this is the argument I would make. It's so different when you're talking to actual humans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I honestly think, and I'm not just saying this. I honestly think that, we got some of the best game of the year discussions out of that, out of those five days, like, you know, say what you will about certain categories, but I think overall, and we kind of did like, not a post-mortem, but we were talking about it internally a little bit um, after we recorded, and, you know, I was talking to Jeff, and I was just like, I feel like, you know, some of the stuff we got into, like some some of the categories we got into we would have never had these conversations a couple of years ago, and it was really interesting to me. Um, and then, luckily, you know, over the course of people being here for Game of the Year, like we got to hang out. Like um, Dan corralled us all in the the studio to watch this this video um, that his friend had, or not. It's a long story. He, he he had us watch this like really funny pilot, and so we were all in there watching that. And then we had a night where we hung out and watched MacGruber, and it was just like. It was a really nice way to, like, in the daytime, you know, we have this very intense, very emotional, arg- arg- for lack of a better word, arguments. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard with, not to get a little angry sometimes in those. Like, that happens. But hopefully, like you mentioned, when you get together afterward, that's, that shit fades away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it was really, like, emotionally rewarding. And I felt accomplished. And then as soon, like... I, I don't know about other people. I can't speak for anyone else. But as soon as we were out of that room, it was just like being amongst coworkers, like being amongst coworkers at worst, coworkers yeah. to friends. Like it was like, all right, let's go grab dinner. Like, let's, you know, what are you guys doing tonight? Let's hang out. Um, which I really appreciate. I was worried like, oh no, is there going to be like a weird residual, like, are, as, as B, is, is this how beef forms? <laughs> But no, everyone was like incredibly professional and it it was very much of like, at the end of the day, it's video games and you have, and video games are very important to a lot of people, myself included, but at the end of the day, unless you're somebody who is past the point of no return, you will be able to take a step back, take a deep breath and be like, it is okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I work amongst professionals who have that. You have to have that mentality because, like you said, games are important to all of you and a lot of people who listen to that. But you can't let that – you can't feel like someone's attacking you personally when they attack the game you like, which is yes. something that – Unless it's near. Uh, yeah, that's the only one because that is essentially – like Alex Navarro is near. Like that is – it's basically him as a video game. And there's – but like if you look at Twitter, which is, again, not a great way to look <laughs> I, at this. I try not to. Yeah, usually not a good idea. Like especially you and your open DMs and you're probably getting like Sonic's feet and stuff sent directly <laughs> to you. But I, I feel like when I was writing reviews, again, for GameSpot and IGN, I would get these super hateful comments because people so closely associate themselves with the games they love. They see that as this extension of them. And that's why I think like the term gamer is problematic because if you define yourself – 
and identify yourself as someone who plays games, that means if anyone comes at those and says like, oh, maybe this isn't perfect, that sort of anger comes out. And that's something I would assume going into those conversations, you had to be like, look, just because this person hates near does not mean they hate me as a person does not mean they wish harm on me it just means they have different worldviews and opinions about what they like about games yeah totally uh you mentioned before that you did work for destructoid for a little bit in between the internship and eventually actually hired by giant bomb and of course your your homeschool software uh that you were (laughs) involved with before was there ever any point though during that time where the idea of getting full-time being a full-time games media person which i don't even know if games media works for something like giant bomb it's it's almost a different thing but did it ever come in your head that like maybe this just won't happen because of how competitive games media is because of how much it's changing and how you know there were sites closing down in in that time between when you were an intern when you're full-time was there ever a moment where you're like this just might not happen for me yeah it was about um Six months before I applied for the job. <laughs> That's usually how it works. It was, it was very much a, like, I, you know, it was a dream job of mine to work at Giant Bomb. And I was going to do everything in my power up to the point of really disrupting my life. Yeah. Like, I, I knew I, I wanted to go to school for journalism anyway. I liked writing. I liked making videos with my friends. I was like, I can, at worst, turn this into a, a different career. But I'm going to, in my free time, do everything I can to keep up, you know, I, w- I was doing a podcast with some friends. I was doing, like, this stuff with Destructoid. I worked w- with Rev3 for a little bit. Um, but it was always, like, I only want to do this if I'm having a good time. I don't want this to consume me. I don't want this to to make my, my real life, quote-unquote, miserable. Um, I was doing the Destructoid stuff because um, at the time... So I was working at Rev3 with uh, Max Scoville. Um, now of IGN, mm. who I had known for for a long time, he was actually a cartoonist on the same community college newspaper that I was on back in Santa Rosa, um, and so it was cool, like knowing somebody in the, that deep in the industry. Um, he was let go of of Rev Three and started doing video stuff with Destructoid, and was like, "Hey, come do this; it's going to be fun." And so I was, it was like very much of like him and, and some of our other friends like Bill Zoker and, and Stephen Hansen um, and Kenny Redublo and a bunch of like destructoid people who I was friends with and was like, okay, let's come together and make a video just because it's fun. And I still love games and still want to make stuff tangential to games. And if I got a job at Giant Bomb one day, that'd be real dope, but I'm not going to count on it. And I'm not going to like Disrupt my life too much. You know, honestly, at the point where I was waiting to hear back on the job, I had had my last interview. Um, my, my partner and I were like, okay, you know, do we want to stay in the Bay? Um, do we want to stay in San Francisco? What do we, like, we actually at this point, like, I wanted to leave my job. Um, my partner was leaving their job. It was like, we can just get up and move and it was very we were i think we were very close to really having that conversation of let's just go somewhere completely different if i don't get this giant bomb job it is crazy how it usually happens like that and you you did mention before that you you have a journalism degree correct yes is it weird how i'm assuming when we were both in high school and college you're always working toward okay i want to in my brain at the time, like Giant Bomb was an option, but it was like, you know, I want to write reviews for a living. I want to go to GameSpot. I want to go to Game Informer. I want to go yeah. to IGN. And you're doing everything in your power without, of course, like you said, like sacrificing everything to get to these jobs. But you're trying. You're working. You're writing. You're you're probably making shit money at smaller sites or no money and volunteering your work just to get noticed, just to get the practice out there. That but one. That was the one. It's usually that one. It's usually that one is like, I'll give you exposure. And at the time, you're like, fucking, yes, I love exposure. Let's do it. Uh, and then realize, what does that really mean? But then you send those clips to people and eventually you start getting paid and go up, up, and up. But now things have changed so much where... I know I mean, you are mostly doing video, you're mostly doing podcasts, you're doing streams. There's some writing involved with that. I know you did write a review, but do you ever get the itch to go write an opinion piece to consider like, oh, I'm going to go write a feature about this or, or write a review for a game? I know that option is always there for you. I, I doubt Jeff's going to be like, fuck no, please don't write anything for me ever. But do you ever kind of have that itch to actually write instead of doing podcasts and video? 
outside of reviews, I kind of caught that for the first time. Um, I'm I'm cooking up a, an article. I don't want to get too into it, but it in um, in the game Vermintide Two, uh, you can play as a dwarf. And I didn't realize this while I was playing the dwarf, but when I switched between the dwarf and another character, he's actually much shorter. And so your perspective of the map changes a lot. Mm. And I was walking around one day, and I have a terrible slouching problem. And I just like stood up straight, and suddenly I was like, I have a better vantage point on this thing. And so I, I'm kind of I, I'm cooking up something about like being tall and representation in video games and stuff like that. So like that would be totally open. Like if I want to write that, sure, go for it. Um, but it's at the, at this point kind of while we're there we're all we're mostly focused on video so this is like something i would write when i get the itch on a weekend or or an evening or, or you know in the same vein i know giant bomb isn't like an overly political site or anything like that but with how crazy things are right now and how much places like waypoint polygon and Kotaku are tackling the role of games and the current american or just political climate in general do you ever see things on the news or just in life or far cry is a pretty good example of just man there's a lot to talk about with that game that might not entirely work in a quick look setting do you ever get that itch to either discuss that on the podcast or again write something about that just because there is so much to talk about right now i'm i'm a very political person i'm like involved in my i'm involved in local politics i like i i you know actively help plan uh, marches and stuff um, when I when I get the time, um, but I it, I'm a firm believer of the like there should be an avenue for for people to express this stuff, um, and the occasional joke or reference or call out to a thing um, should be like allowed. Like you know, there's some people who say like no politics in games coverage at all. <laughs> And I don't want to hear an ounce of politics in my gaming media. Um, I, I feel like it's impossible to not have an ounce of politics in anything we consume, yeah. at, at least in America right now. Um, but I think that I think that it should be for the most part about the game or what what have you. Like you know, we'll crack jokes on the bombcast about current events once in a while, and I think that's fine. But or like if a news story comes up, we'll get in depth about it. But that's because that's the spot for it. I I, I don't I, I think like if you're going to write an article about the politics of Far Cry, you should totally go for it. But in, let's say, a review of Far Cry. Well, I guess Far Cry is an oh, interesting game because that game tried to get political for a yeah, second it's a weird and then one, backed off of it. Right? Because like everyone's like right now talking about like, oh, but the game's fun. You shouldn't judge it for anything else. But it's like, yeah. oh, this game's trying to do something. I feel like we should talk about it. So I, I think it's a difficult balance. I think that there is room for it. I think that there should be avenues explicitly for it. Um, but I, at least for the most part, will not be the first to talk about politics, let's say, in a, in a quick look, just because I am so passionate and ready to go off in an instant. Um, but that's not what people mostly come to Giant Bomb for, which I get. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, there's there's avenues for that. And if you would like, it's not like anyone's going to stop you from doing it on Twitter or if you have a personal blog or yeah. something like that, you could totally do oh, that. People, own... people will try to stop you from doing it on Twitter. Uh, I guess no one at Giant Bomb <laughs> will stop you. The, the people who read your Twitter might try to uh, stop you from discussing that. Uh, and I mean, you just mentioned before that you organize marches or you're involved in stuff like that. And Giant Bomb never requires anyone who works there to be too personal. But there is almost this bizarre expectation with the quote-unquote public internet figures that we've seen now where they're going to talk about things, they're going to talk about their life. And yeah, I mean, you were out of the office for a bit to get surgery. And I assume like, immediately you got just bombarded with questions about why, what's going on with Ben, wanting to know exactly what that is. And you have, you know, there's no reason for you to talk about that unless you're comfortable with it. So have you been able to find the right balance between work and life between the personal and what you just are not willing to talk about on Twitter. Like I, I put on a thread on the, the giant bomb Reddit saying like, Hey, I'm talking to Ben tomorrow. If anyone has any questions, like, let me know. And a bunch of them were personal things. You know, no offense. I'm not shitting on any of those people who asked, but there are personal things where I'm like, eh, I don't feel like I need to know that or anyone else yeah, does. Like that's that not necessarily life. about giant bomb. Exactly. Yeah. And there's like some things again, like people, like when Jeff got married, people care because people really like Jeff, but then there's also the aspect of like, eh, should we, 
prod into that because it's personal. So have you been able to find the right balance yet? Uh, I think I'm typically a pretty open and earnest guy already. So I was going in comfortable, ready to talk about the stuff. Um, when the surgery was coming up, you know, Jeff and Brad asked me like how much I wanted to talk about. I told them I'm willing to talk about. I, I told them what I was willing to talk about and, and went on to, to do so. I think that, you know, I, and in fact, I am um, trying to get more comfortable about talking about, like, my, my condition. Um, yeah. I have something known as Marfan syndrome, which is a disease of the connective tissue that affects all sorts of different parts of your body. It can fuck you up real good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> luckily, I, I, uh, outside of the heart issue, um, I... I have the foot issue, which has now been resolved, and then some issues with, like, deviated septum, which is partially why my vocal fry is so fucking (laughs) prominent. Um, But I, I, you know, I had a moment where, gosh, it it was a roller coaster because what happened was I lost... So I, I had my I had my heart surgery. I'm trying to remember the timeline here. I had heart surgery, and then uh, because of the Marfan syndrome, and this was a senior year of college. Oh jeez. I had the heart surgery, and then a friend of mine. I, after the heart surgery, I was like talking with some friends. I was like, I'm gonna keep a blog where I stand next to objects, and I'm gonna call it Ben standing next to things, and it's gonna be <laughs> funny because it's gonna be me really tall in the world. And I did about 12 of them, and a friend of mine compiled them into an imager album and posted that to Reddit, and it blew up. It, it took over. It was the number two thing of the, day, of the week. Oh, my um, God. Right behind, fun, fun, fun story, right behind when um, Reddit falsely doxed the Boston bombing guy. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah. So it was just me right under that uh, whole mess going on. But, uh, yeah, so, like, that happens, and then, oh, wait, no, that's right, that's the whole reason I'm telling this story. I got the surgery afterwards because somebody left a comment on that image album and was like, hey, it looks like you have a thyroid issue, um, and so I was like, oh, do I have a thyroid issue? Like, and a couple, a couple other people were like, yeah, it looks just like my cousin, blah, 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 and I know, like, you know, you shouldn't trust internet doctors, but it had been a while since I had gotten a checkup from my doctor. I had moved to San Francisco, so I didn't yeah. have, like, a doctor in the city yet, and so I went to see my doctor, and then he found the heart murmur, and then he diagnosed me with Marfan's, and a week later, I was having the surgery. That's, wow. That's, that's how the story went. Um so I felt like that was kind of a crazy circumstance that I got diagnosed through the internet, basically, of a disease that I had never heard of. Um, and at that point, kind of after the surgery, after my recovery, I was like, I want to help spread awareness about this. I want to, you know, I don't want, I don't want my disease, my disorder, whatever you want to call it, um, to define me. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be the only, I don't want to be known as the Marfans guy, you know, but when applicable, I want to help spread the word about it. I want to, I want to use my personal experience as kind of, you know, if I can help one other person get diagnosed and treated, then I will feel great. And, and that may have already happened that who knows. Um, but I've already, I've always been pretty open outside the, the, the only, the only way it gets tricky is with like like my partner right and, yeah. and like you talked about like jeff's wife like i i'm willing to be open about my life but once the moment it brings in a person another human who doesn't hard. work for giant bomb yeah who isn't involved in the video game scene at all and and um you know it it, it gets tricky because like if people are like oh ben's using vague pronouns because he doesn't want us to know if his if he's gay or not my my partner is non-binary that's that's the <laughs> that's yeah. it guys it's not me trying to like because one person i see comments sometimes they're like oh he, he fucked up and he said he referring to his partner it it must be another guy and he like 
guys, come on. First of all, it's none of your business. Second yeah. of all, it's usually way simpler than you think it is. Yeah. No, that's, again, that was one of the questions I got. And I was like, I, it's just like, I, because, you know, of, of course, I've noticed it in podcasts and stuff like that. But I, usually for those kind of situations, like, if there's something you want to talk about, you talk about it. Like, yeah. that's the kind of thing. And I think that's kind of the rule of, of, at this point with personal stuff, especially with people on the internet, where it's like, if they want to be open with stuff and they enjoy it and maybe there's a cathartic act, uh, aspect to that, like sometimes I'll just need to like vent on a podcast just because there's something personal I need to like go through. But the rest of the stuff, it's like just, you know, let let people live their lives, like be fans of them, enjoy what they do. And like maybe you want to learn about them, but allow them to tell you don't drag it out of them. Like that's exactly. really not your role. Uh, exactly. And, and I told Mayor like as like once I got the job, um, or when, when I was in consideration for the job, you know, I sat down with Mayor and I'm like, this is going to sound weird, but my life is going to change after this and your life is going to change. And I kind yeah. of like talked loosely about, you know, like there's, you, maybe you're going to get some weird people on Twitter tweeting at you just because we're dating or like, maybe yeah. you're going to get a bunch of weird friend requests. And, and sure enough, like. Mira, my partner, got a ton of new followers on a Twitter that is not tied to mine at all. But I realized just because I um, favorite some of their tweets, oh. it shows up in people's timelines. Yeah. And then they click through and do some internet detective work and figure it out. And I'm and <laughs> it was funny. Mira was like, oh, they're just going to be disappointed because I just tweet about boring life <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they'll... Yeah, they're gonna find it's much less more, much less interesting than they thought it was gonna be. That's usually the case. Whatever investigation you're trying to do in a people is usually way less interesting than what you think it's gonna be in the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. again, just leave. Let people talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, last thing you did mention that when you were brought in, you kind of had this idea of you want to introduce new features and do new things, bring something new to Giant Bomb because, of course, that's why you were hired. You've introduced some new features. You've been involved in some different ones. What can people expect this year that might be different? Are you working on anything that you can talk about that's going to be new or bringing back any features? Again, this is going live like April 23rd or something like that. Uh, so is there anything you can actually talk about? He, I spent... I spent a good chunk of money buying mm -hmm. a button hooked up to a Raspberry Pi that I am building a feature around. That is all I'm willing it's to say. It's a great tease. That's really <laughs> that's, good. That's going to be, you know, we, we have a lot of stuff planned in the interim. Like, we have a lot of ideas. It, it's, been, it's been bumpy up to this point because we knew, like... PAX East and some other stuff we're going to throw inches into our plans. But as soon as Jeff is back from PAX East, we have some stuff lined up that we are really excited to get into. And basically everything I've been planning has is, is a lot further out. Um, but in the meantime, like, I'm excited for, you know, we've got new tech for the after show. Yeah. And Jan is getting really deep into the some cool vmix stuff that we are going to maybe toy around with um abby and i have been abby and i were talking about doing a series but um deadly sims kind of not got in the way of it but diverted her attention you know she has to it, that show requires um like more time than it seems let's say <laughs> yeah um so you know we're gonna circle back on, on the thing we were planning um after that, like I, I am really excited and, and I'm excited for E3 because it, it means that we are all going to be in the same place again. And, you know, Abby, Dan and I ran off and shot that merch video. Mm. Um, uh, if you haven't seen that, that's probably still one of my favorites. It's real good. Um, we're like, you know, excited to do more stuff like that. Now that we also have another producer, like there's just, there's so much more opportunity that having, Jan around is allowing us and, and we, we have gotten into talks about what we want to do and bring to the site and I'm really excited for this year. I, I'm moving to LA in about a month so I'm going to like be, this is my first E3 in a while last time was 2013 and still one of my most anticipated things is just like the Giant Bomb Night shows. Like that stuff is always it's way up there on the list of like the the there's the press conferences and there's giant bomb night shows and like ah the gameplay reveals are cool but there's way more good cooler stuff coming out of that so no, yeah, I'm super totally. excited about that 
Um, if people want to send you weird DMs slash follow you on Twitter, what's your handle? Pack Ben Pack, please send me weird DMs. I love <laughs> just like being in the car um, with my partner and being like, hey, look, somebody DM'd me this picture of Yoshi's feet. <laughs> just like seeing their reaction. God. It's great. Or like being with my friends and being like, look at this weird like ransom note somebody sent me. <laughs> Well, floodgates have been open. You're now going to get the goofiest shit ever in the world. Now it won't be as cool because it's like people know they're supposed to do it. Yeah. It's way more fun when it's random feet, not like playing. It'll, it'll die down a little bit, but some people will be like laying in the shadows waiting to strike, which, those you know, hit me ones. with your best shot. Yeah, those are the smart ones that are waiting for the very best moment to send you just the most like horrifying, nightmare-inducing shit uh ben thanks so much for doing this I, since you got on i think it's it's been fun to watch you gel with the group i think you've done a great job at giant bomb again not trying to blow smoke up your ass i know how difficult it is to jump into a personality based thing like that but i thought you've been doing a great job uh can't wait to see what you do with new features and yeah all the e3 stuff again top of my list hopefully you guys have i know you always do but can't wait to see who you get on the couch yeah thanks a lot dude thanks for having me on this on the show Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.